So welcome back everybody to the Grown Folks podcast and welcome to our second guest. I am joined by my good friend Tracy. Now Tracy and I met at an event called Mindset Hack, which gathered a group of like-minded women together, all sharing, I suppose, a common view on wanting to better ourselves. So we had speakers who were talking on finances, how to build a personal brand. Tracy was there talking about her career in property investment, and I thought she'd be the perfect person to get on here. So this kind of falls into the Get Your Money Up segment, which you guys know is all about entrepreneurship, business finances and all things alike so without further ado or any more waffling from me I'm going to hand over to Tracy and I'm going to let her give you a quick intro on who she is what she does and then we'll, we'll go from there. Hi everyone so I'm Tracy and as Nadreen mentioned I did meet her at an event we were both speaking which was a great event actually. Mm, that was really good. Really well. really yeah. good. So my area and things that I, I end up talking about a lot is property I got into property in 2016, so still not that long ago. Mm, mm. And my first sort of foray into property actually started with doing a very comprehensive property course. Okay. Um, so that's pretty much where I started and was really exposed to the whole sort of the London scene of property investors and then going to a lot of seminars, being involved in that type of thing, and then eventually starting my investing journey about 12 months later after having started sort of learning and being involved in the, the community. So I now have a block of six flats as one of my first projects. There's a few things I have on the horizon right now. Mm-hmm. I guess we could probably talk a bit more later about that yeah. project in itself. But yeah. I have you know, a reasonably decent job. I wanted more. I wanted to be involved in property. And my real thing was that property always seemed like one of those things that only a certain select few people could do mm-hmm. or people with lots of money could be involved in. And it's not necessarily that way, and there is information out there. So I, you know, I got involved. I, I got the information, and and now I'm a property investor. Okay, and I think that's a good place to start because, like you said, there are certain, I guess, lines of business or career paths that mm. do seem exclusive to people from a specific background. Yeah. So what I'd like to start with if it's all right with you, is just to kind of give people a bit more context and kind of tell them a bit about your upbringing yeah. and, you know, what what was possible for you growing up as a young black yeah. woman in the UK and how that perspective has completely changed now that you are sort of doing what it is you've, you've always wanted to do. Yeah, so I grew up, I would... I would not say I had a struggle childhood at all because that would just be so ungrateful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So ungrateful, honestly. My mother did a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. I, you know, as a child, I cannot remember needing or wanting something that I didn't have. But by no means were we rich. I think a lot of people have this experience. Actually, you know, your parents really tried for you and really did for you. And we had food, we had light, we had all these things. But we weren't from a privileged background. I mean, my mum had to work, so... Mm -hmm. When I was um, really little, my mum was a bus driver actually when she came to this country and she learned how to drive a bus before she could drive a car. Oh wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's boss moves. Right? Because, <laughs> I mean, if you've seen a London bus, you if know. If you've seen my mum reverse park <laughs> yeah. a double-decker bus, that is definitely a Mood. boss move. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. Um, and she always worked and she had to, you know, she worked shifts mm-hmm. so that she could be able to pick me up from school. So. 
I used to have to wake up at like four in the morning oh, and she'd take me to the um to childminders mm-hmm. and I'd sort of sleep off the last couple of hours before yeah. school, dressed up, ready for school. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but like, dressed up and yeah. ready to go to school at four yeah. in the morning. Mm-hmm. So my mum could go to work and then, you know, come and pick me up afterwards. And I never felt like I missed out on anything. And my mother never made it feel like it was too much of a struggle. And, you know, we, we always had what we needed. But there was that sense of you go to work, mm-hmm. you know, you work mm-hmm. and you make your money and your yeah. money is to pay your bills and to do the things that you need to do mm-hmm. I think one thing that I got a lot from my mother and I think some of us will get this from that particular generation of parents that came to, to the, the UK, UK yeah. is that they do want a lot from for us mm. you know they want a lot for us they want a certain amount because they didn't have as many choices and my mum has always pretty much been like my biggest cheerleader so if I came home with a crazy idea that I was going to be an astronaut, guaranteed my mum would be learning how to sew that suit. Yeah. Like, that's just the type of person she yeah. is. So she would be cheerleading absolutely anything it is that I said that I wanted to do. There was always a background expectation that I would be going to university. I am a Ghanaian girl. Mm-hmm. I am West African. There yeah. is no how, African how, how, stop, to, how be honest, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. How, how, what else was I going like, to do? What else was I going to do? If I hadn't really come up with another amazing, what what else were you going to do? So mm-hmm. I was always going to be going to university. Luckily, I mean, it was something that I wanted to do anyway. So mm-hmm. I didn't have to feel that kind of pressure. I, um, I did well at school. It, it wasn't problematic and I think because I was always so encouraged I think that I have grown up with a sense that you can do anything mm-hmm. you know so, sometimes you don't know how it's done yeah. sometimes you don't know where the access point is but I've never felt for me that there was something out there and I thought oh yeah but I wouldn't be able to do that mm-hmm. and I have to you know sometimes remember that that's actually a really great gift that I've been given mm. to to be able to have that feeling yes and I know that not everybody has that feeling no. you know and it can be really defeating if you don't have that feeling mm-hmm. but genuinely I usually look at things and think yeah I could do that I don't know how it's done mm. you know necessarily I don't know what the steps are to but if I wanted to do it I feel mm-hmm. like you know yeah I could do that and there's very little that people are doing out there that is actually genius level yeah Information is something that yeah. we are overloaded with. So exactly. if, if, there, if you're ever going to have a problem, it's how to know what's the right exactly. information. You just need the yeah. right information. You need the access point. Mm-hmm. But in, a, in, in terms of ability to do something, I've never ne- necessarily felt that something was out of reach. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to university and I came back. And you know, I came out of university in 07, just before the word credit crunch seemed to like be coined. Okay. And when I came out of university, there was this real sense of, oh, okay, great, right now I'm gonna be a real person. Because whilst you're a student, no one's expecting you to do anything. You don't mm-hmm. actually do any great thing. No. All you have to do is be the promise of something great. And then you come out of university and suddenly you have to actually be great. Mm. Because to be honest, for the last three years, you've been turning up for what? Eight, nine hours of lectures a week. Like if you that's, can turn it up. If you can turn it up. It's hardly spectacular, the yeah. showing that you're putting in at university, mm-hmm. to be quite honest. Um, and you're impressive just because you're at university. Your parents are proud. They're like, oh, she's at university. Mm. She's, you know, just, just going yeah. is the thing that you're doing to legitimize your existence. When you get out, you now have to actually show that you can do something mm. and I think that for our generation that has been a really especially people that came out around that time for a lot of people that's been difficult more people than ever go to university mm. now a degree doesn't mean what it meant 20 years no. ago right so just having the degree by itself 
I mean, you need those soft skills. You need to go in and blag something. Mm-hmm. You're coming out of a history degree. I didn't do a history degree. I did yeah. a philosophy degree. But whatever degree you're coming out with, most mm-hmm. people's jobs aren't their degree title. No. You need to go in. You need to be able to blag. You need to convince these people you can do this thing. You, you know, All these other skills are necessary. And I think some people really struggle with the idea that they got sold that sense of, you're going to go to university, you're going to come out, you're going to get a job. Yeah, straight away. And that's mm. not the reality no. in 20 anything. Mm. Right? In the 2000s onwards, that's just not Things the reality. Changed, yeah. Things have changed. You don't go to one company and stay there and have your job and then take your pension at the end. Mm. You need to have work agility. You need to be able to be transferable. You need to be able to prove yourself all the time. Um, and I struggled at the very beginning. It was the first time in my life I'd struggled when I first came out of university with... I was like, why are these people not giving me a job? Like, how is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought I was going to walk into my first thing with my spunky self and my yeah. sprite attitude. And I was going to be like, yeah. Mm. These people are going to have... No. This thing was, was a struggle. And what I felt like is that what we weren't prepared for was the fact that the jobs that we were coming out and applying for mm. were competing against people who have been in the workforce in a lot of right. places. And so we just think that we can walk in there and clean up. But, no. But actually... No, there are people that can actually do these jobs already. Completely. Yeah. And these people, they're, they're asking you for 25 years work experience and you're only 21 <laughs> years old. You know, like, it's not adding up. It's not, it's not adding up. Yeah. It's not coming together. So I think that's a real big struggle for people um, nowadays. So if you think about even the struggle of just like getting a job mm. that is decent, because at the very least you feel like, right, you need that. Then the idea of trying to do something extra and new on top of that Mm. is a difficult one but at the same time if you look at where things are in a way so much of what the luck that people create is things that they've created for themselves yeah i mean if you just look at the way people are using the internet people Mm. are using you know social media etc people are creating things for themselves so you know if you can tap into something that you can create yourself it is quite powerful because Mm. it can't be taken away from you in the same way that a job can which I guess brings me to my next question. Is that how building your interest in property mm. came about for you? Because I know for me it was, um, I was working, I had a decent job with a good company, but I felt like, okay, even if I did get on the property ladder and I was paying the mortgage and it was all good, yeah, I was living to work. Mm. And I'm a spender. Yeah. <laughs> and I needed something to supplement that. So that was what it was for me to kind of get started and doing YouTube and mm-hmm. podcasts and all of that kind of stuff. But what was it for you? I think for me, so I strangely have always had this interest in property. Mm. I could watch, I don't watch much TV, but I love a property show. Mm. I would love a property show. and But somewhere in my mind, I... I, you know, this is the thing you, you don't realise sometimes beliefs that you pick up somewhere yeah. that aren't really based in very much mm-hmm. but I mean most people on Grand Designs they, they've come from a completely different there's no one on Grand Designs that looks like me that mm. has all this money to build their own home <laughs> you know so you have it in your mind that and, and you look at the prices of properties and you're like right properties cost hundreds of thousands mm. so if I don't have that type of money to start off with mm. you know am I the type Talk of person that mm. can can invest in property like how does that even begin to be a thing i mean i'd started in terms of being a house owner a homeowner and um back in 08 when mm. i decided with my mother i said you know i think we should buy a house and you know obviously you have a lot more buying power if there's two people yeah, so we bought absolutely. a house together and that was a really great decision mm. um, and i think my real interest 
in in property kind of solidified around that time because I remember it was 08 so if you if you could anyone who can remember 08 um <laughs> was when everyone was just like it's the credit crunch yeah. the world is falling over mm-hmm. the bank is collapsing all these companies were folding and everyone all the signs were like don't buy anything don't mm. buy don't buy don't buy no one was buying and then I was just I remember Which having this conversation with my mum probably quite a good time to it's buy in exactly mm, mm. so I remember having this conversation with my mum and she was getting scared because she had friends telling her oh this is not a good time to buy and I thought well why is it not a good time to buy because we can afford the thing yeah. that we're going to buy we can afford the payments mm-hmm. we've been approved for the mortgage we can afford the payments mm-hmm. the thing is kind of at its cheaper end right now mm. so surely if you're planning to stay in your house yeah like the little fluctuations of the market going down or whatever it's kind of is a bit irrelevant because I'm planning to live in this house it's not Mm. like I'm planning to sell it next week Mm -hmm. if I wanted to sell it next week this would be a stupid thing to do yeah um and so we bought that house and I tell you I kid you not that was just one of the best moves we ever made yeah because you know the house has nearly doubled since 2008 Mm -hmm. because that's what property does it will it will bounce back it will have Mm -hmm. an and I'm not saying this is how you approach investing. Yeah. But if you can, if you find something and you can buy it and you can live in it and you can afford it and it fits your lifestyle and it's what you need to live in, you can't let yourself be stressed out about what it's doing in one particular year of evidence mm-hmm. because you're not planning to live in it for well, the year. Yeah. Yeah. You're planning to live in it, mm-hmm. right? And so you're paying it off because you're living in it. And it was a really good move. And so I remember thinking, right, okay, this property stuff, there's, there's more more to it yeah obviously at that point i'm in my really i'm in my early 20s um i don't have that much access to cash and just i'm in entry level jobs i'm just starting out um so i kind of did a few things i bounced around a bit but so property thing was always in the back of my mind and then a few years ago my mother she was working for london underground and you know they closed all the ticket offices so she got made redundant at first, you know, she was feeling a bit down about it. She's thinking, well, what am I going to do? And with a redundancy, there is an opportunity that you're not going to have anywhere else in that there is a chunk of money that mm. you've never had in one chunk yeah. before. I mean, just for the record, she's doing great now. and She's working, you know, she's a freelancer now. Like she, her life is really, really great for mm. her. She's really enjoying having a lot more flexibility. But we kind of said, right, is there an opportunity here? Mm-hmm. We didn't know what the opportunity was property did not pop into my mind straight away because the last thing I was going to do is say hi mum this chunk of money that they've given you and taken your job away yeah. can you give it to me so I can go and invest in property <laughs> yeah, right, I don't know what course. I'm doing um, but she happened to be having a conversation with a colleague of hers and they were talking about what are you planning to do with your with your redundancy money and my mother was considering maybe you know using a chunk of it to pay off a big chunk of our mortgage etc mm-hmm. um, and then a friend of hers said you know before you think of doing that go and check out this open evening for this course that okay. I've gone to. Yeah. And she said, oh, it's in property. And then my mum said, oh, my daughter's really interested in property. She mm-hmm. said, oh, make sure you, you, you take your daughter or send your daughter to go. Mm-hmm. So we went along to this thing and I went and, you know, I was hearing these people talking about property, talking about a few strategies that I hadn't heard of. Like, I didn't know very much about, mm-hmm. but so much of it was just making real sense to me. And mm-hmm. I thought, ooh, there's something in this. Yeah. And my mother thought, ooh, there is something in this. And she said, you know what? I will pay for you to do the course. That's amazing. I will pay yeah. for you to do the course. And, you know, I think this could be really good for mm. us. And so I thought, 
Well, that's amazing, isn't yeah. it? Someone wants to invest in you. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the first investment, really. Yeah. That was the first investment, the paying for the course. Um, so I did it, and I was exposed to a whole world of information, but just a whole world and a network of people, which really opens you up. The connections with people is great because you have to remember information updates all the time. Mm-hmm. So what was true in 2007 is not necessarily true now. Yeah. Um, laws change, taxation changes, stamp duty changes, all of these mm. things change. But the network that you can meet through these things is really, yeah. really important. And you mentioned community like right at the beginning mm. of, um, of our chat. Um, so I guess how important is that in comparison to, I guess, just reading up and staying in the know? Like what have you got from the people that you've met in your network? Yeah. Um, that has really sort of propelled things for you. The network is invaluable. Mm-hmm. You can't, this is not something you do by yourself. Mm-hmm. If you want to just read the facts and then go out there and do property, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's a people business. This is, this is, and this is everything from if you want to get the best deals, you need to have great relationships with agents. Mm. You know, you need to have built some relationships with agents. You need to know who those people are. Mm-hmm. When you're trying to do a project and your builder lets you down and you're in a jam, you need to be able to call on your network and say, who's got a builder in Liverpool? Yeah. You know, when being part of this network, um, you know, by, in my first project, we bought at an auction. Um, when you buy at an auction, you have to buy and you have to complete very quickly. You've only mm-hmm. got 28 days to complete. You need a different type of conveyance yeah. and solicitor to mm-hmm. do that. You, if you've not done it before, yeah. you don't have a contact of someone who can do that well. You need to know mm-hmm. that you can call up people within the community. You can go on a certain group. There's so many Facebook groups. You can go on a certain Facebook group and let yeah. people know that you're also part of the network and say, hey guys, I'm looking for a conveyancer who can do X, Y, and Z. Who knows someone? Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the network is invaluable yeah. because you're going to get, this is my mate, such and such, tell him I sent you yeah. or you know that those types of things when you're trying to do this type of business mm-hmm. are so important okay. and so much of that stuff is not in the book yeah there is no book mm. that tells you how to know when a builder is stiffing you mm-hmm. do you, know you just you just experience you just experience it or you know, it, people, or yeah. you know someone mm. right you know there's so many of these things that are just down to human interaction if you're not ready to build some relationships mm-hmm. and and really be in it to try and make connections it's not necessarily going to work out for you also the biggest projects tend to involve more than one investor mm-hmm. people in this type of business you want to share risk it, it minimizes risk to have a few people involved in the project rather than having just yourself um, it also lessens the burden so you know if you work with someone who is so for example me reading long contracts etc it's mm-hmm. not my personality type i could yeah. do it but it's not my personality type and okay. i'm not I'm, I'm gonna get a bit bored i need to work with somebody who details and spreadsheets is their thing because i'm top line i'm also a really good sort of relationship builder so mm-hmm. i'm the person that's going to deal with the builder that we think may be spiffing us okay. to keep that relationship sweet so when you work with other people, when you are part of the community, you can just make your journey so much more easy mm-hmm. and also actually just more effective. I hear you. Um, and actually on that, um, okay, so we've talked about courses. Mm. Um, so kind of 
building up your base level of information yeah. and understanding all the different avenues you can take. We've spoken about community and joining networks. Yeah. Um, but maybe let's break that down a little bit because I guess, you know, we could say networking, that could mean a number of different things to yeah. those different people. But specifically, what what would you say, what is a network as in the property sense? So... The network exists whether you tap into it or not. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of networks. But I think sometimes when people hear the word networking, they just assume it's going to events and just talking anyhow. It's really not that. If you're going to get something out of the network, you need to know what it is you want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Because in that arena, you know, out there in the arena, so this would go for any industry at all, Mm -hmm. but out there, let's say in property, there is a contact for that builder that you need, that conveyancer that you need, that broker that you need, etc. They're all out there. But if you're just going to roam a room aimlessly, just Mm. trying to talk left, right, centre, you're not going to get anything out of it. So whenever you go to a property meeting, Mm -hmm. so for for example, with the network of properties, it's really quite official. It's really quite set up. It's quite easy to tap into Mm -hmm. what's what. So, you know, there are so many reputable monthly um, property investor network meetings are held okay. a lot of them it's like 15 pounds entry there'll be like two major speakers somebody will be selling some kind of product or mm-hmm. service which is fine but some of them i mean like for example the Blackfriars pin meeting happens every month i think it's the second tuesday mm-hmm. of every month you know you can easily have 150 people in that room um and that's a monthly event and okay. they happen all over the country mm. um you need to go to that room, first of all, with your three-sentence sales pitch. When someone mm-hmm. asks you, you know, says, hi, I'm da-da-da-da, mm-hmm. what's your name, what do you do? You need to be able to say, my name is, I'm interested in this area, mm-hmm. you know, I'm looking at Liverpool, wherever it is. Mm-hmm. And you kind of need to know what things you want to find out from that person. As okay. much as you want to, to get to know people... Just constantly have in your mind the things that you need. So mm-hmm. let everybody you meet know you need a builder right now. Yeah. Because that person might not know, but they'll be like, oh, but I was talking to Sandra in the mm. back just now. And she was saying how she had a great builder. This is how you get what you need from these meetings. Mm-hmm. You need to let everybody you speak to know what it is you're interested in. Because also when certain opportunities come up, they might remember, oh, actually, Tracy's interested in this type of thing. This might be something she wants to get involved in. Mm-hmm. And then also um, let them know the things that you need. Okay. You know, um, And also when you take uh, business cards, like write notes about these people on the back. Because <laughs> you will forget. Because you will <laughs> if forget. You're, if you're doing the networking thing if you're in the doing way networking that you should be, yeah. And you're schmoozing and yeah. you are taking a whole load of people's cards, mm. you will forget what this person is useful for mm. or what this person's you know angle is or what it is they're involved in. Always just make a nice little note on the back of the business card and then you can put that information together and then when you know your need for that contact comes up, you'll be able to uh, to tap into it. But if you do a course, if you belong to a programme they are always geared around, um, and this is not one particular course, I've experienced sort of the network of quite a few different providers, and they're always geared around making the people from that course all really know each other. Mm-hmm. So you become part of a family. Okay. If you go to a course, use that family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so would you say that it's going to a pin meeting or... Um, going on a course um, where your first opportunity came about yeah in terms of opportunity definitely because I don't 
as much as I was interested in property, mm. I was not about to go and take a big chunk of money and just start left, right and centre just trying to buy something. Mm-hmm. Um, property is a great opportunity to make money, but my God, it's a great opportunity to lose some. Mm. If you do not know what you're doing, you could lose way more money than any course would cost you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of actual opportunity to do something practical mm-hmm. with property, I did not feel like I had the confidence to do it until I had the information. Okay. And I think that anybody who can do it without potentially has some kind of exposure to it in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are coming at it blind and coming at it cold and you don't know much more than what you've seen on Homes Under the Hammer, mm-hmm. you want to get yourself some education. Mm, that's right. And education just in the form of um, good contacts, um, uh, some sort of education. Some, something like formalised. Some, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the other thing is that some of these courses are so... They're not particularly tailor-made, so mm-hmm. they, they tend to be a bit one-size-fits-all. Mm-hmm. You know, looking for programs that offer some kind of mentorship mm-hmm. something that's very specific that you can really make about the things that you want to learn the things that you want to know because there's so much you could learn in property yeah um and no one can be an expert at everything yeah so you know if you're starting out maybe a really good way to go about it is to find out a bit of information for yourself find out the areas that you like Go to some things mm-hmm. and hear other people. Because the thing is, if you go to some pin meetings, etc., you're going to find people who've done a whole range of different courses. Yeah. So it might be that your first thing is to find out where would be a good place for you. Yeah. And easily, when I go to a pin meeting, I could talk to eight people and they've all done a course with eight different providers. Mm-hmm. Everyone is usually pretty happy to share their information. Okay. So... You know, that's a good way to find out what could be a good fit for you. And, you know, there's different ways of learning. You know, you could... There are a lot of teachers who will... They charge an hourly rate. Mm -hmm. You could go and... You can get eight hours with somebody. And if you go prepared, eight hours with a property expert Mm. could be a really good... You know, a really good chunk of money spent, but a really good chunk of time spent. Mm -hmm. You know, eight hours with a a real professional who knows what they're doing, who has a great portfolio. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're prepared, you've got all the answers, the questions that you know you want to get out of this. Yeah. You could really get something out of something like that. Okay. Um, So I guess let's talk about the different routes to property investment. So obviously, so many different types of property Mm -hmm. out there. um, And... I'm just going to make the assumption that everyone listening in knows absolutely nothing. Okay. Um, so, uh, and when, so I've been along to a property course before. I think it was um, the Rich Dad Poor Dad yeah. um, education yeah, yeah, yeah. company. I forgot what the like actual company is called. Um, but, you know, they were talking about everything from uh, HMOs mm-hmm. um, to, you know, just going in and flipping houses and all that stuff type of thing but if we could break it down into a set of streams yeah what would those be so i think the first is two problem the 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 biggest distinction is that uh your capital versus your income Mm -hmm. so a capital project is a project where you're looking at something where you want to buy it cheaply and sell it for more Mm -hmm. essentially you want to just make a chunk of capital yeah um, and then the other stream, which is income, and that encompasses a lot of different 
strategies is where you want to buy and hold something Mm -hmm. and your main purpose of holding that is that it's going to generate you an income consistently for you know every month for a long period of time so those Mm -hmm. are your two real main distinctions um i mean no matter what size of capital project you're doing it's always pretty much the same you want to buy it cheaply Mm -hmm. you want to spend less money on it than you know you're you're going to make overall so that you make a profit yeah so i think capital projects depending on whether they're tiny or uh they're massive they're pretty much all the same in principle Mm -hmm. i guess it's the income streams that become a bit more complicated in terms of what type of you know uh what kind of property are you are you offering Mm -hmm. um and on what basis are you trying to make this income so with that you've got i guess generally three main streams Mm -hmm. so you've got your single buy to let that's Mm -hmm. the house that you buy or flat that you buy that you rent out to one person or one family it's Mm -hmm. one household um and that's pretty straightforward it's the most straightforward way to let anything Mm -hmm. it's usually the least stressful way to let anything (laughs) because when you've got one family in a a property they tend to make it their home Mm -hmm. they're looking after it it's where they live Mm um they're this is not saying there aren't problematic tenants but Mm -hmm. it's the most straightforward Mm -hmm. Um, then you have HMOs which are more complicated Mm -hmm. um, because essentially you have four, five, six, seven um, people all living in a home that are not one household Mm -hmm. and then there's a lot more law around HMOs so in order to get into the HMO game Mm -hmm. you need to be slick to the laws Mm -hmm. you know because there are regulations around HMOs there are regulations about what areas you can have a HMO in Mm -hmm. if you are in an article 4 area for example the the possibility of being allowed to convert home into a HMO is slim to none okay you need to know that before you buy it Mm -hmm. um an article 4 area article 4 area so that that's a restriction that's on um, a number of um, areas um, across the UK where um, essentially they, they don't want any more HMOs. Okay. They don't want there to be any more HMOs, so you can't just sort of go along and say, right, I'm going to turn this three-bedroom house into like a, a six-bed HMO. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, going through the process of applying, etc., I mean, it wouldn't be worth it buying mm-hmm. something and then trying to do that because you know your chances are really slim. I don't deal with HMOs, okay. so my my level of you know sort of knowledge of going into HMOs has never been as in depth. I understand the concepts, I understand mm-hmm. what the regulations are quite generally, mm-hmm. um, but HMOs have never really called out to me. Okay. Yeah. Um, and if you are doing a HMO, particularly if it's not anywhere near you you definitely would like to have um a management company in place okay because you know that is that's like i said it's a household with five households in it essentially Mm -hmm. that's five individuals who all have their own individual (laughs) issues yes um and they under you know that property undergoes a lot more wear and tear Mm -hmm. you've got five people in and out Mm. or more um but the returns on a hmo are better Mm than the returns on a single let. I mean, yeah. what you can make from sort of renting the rooms individually, mm-hmm. 
is more than what you'd make from renting out a house just to to one family so with the the sort of the greater rewards there are the the greater headaches and the greater risks yeah um and then you could be doing something like um service accommodation which is a completely different ball game because you don't have tenants yeah um and it's a slightly different business in a way when you're dealing with service accommodation because you're dealing with not creating somebody's home but you're creating a essentially a tourism business you know that's what what that is you're using a property as something that people are using on a short short term basis you know Um, and that can be up to a couple of months but generally it's a few nights or it's a week or it's a couple of weeks um that type of thing and again the returns for that can be even higher than that of the HMO Mm -hmm. but then the responsibilities and the stress and the headache that's involved with that is also even higher because now you know um the responsibility for the whole property is really yours. Mm-hmm. These people are in and out. They have no obligation to the property. It's not where they live. Yeah. Um, so I guess what, what happens is that the greater the potential rewards or the potential returns from a strategy, the higher the, the, higher the number of headaches. Yeah. That are potentially, or the more time you've got to The more time yeah. that's yeah. involved. Mm-hmm. Um, can make them all a little bit more passive again you then need to get other people involved you need mm-hmm. to get management companies involved and then you can distance yourself and separate yourself from and let's let's go down that route actually because you know the, the property business from what i understand so far is it's never a one-man band you know mm-hmm. it's always you and all the people that you have that work for you or with you yeah to make things happen um so i guess as far as like uh, contractors like builders plumbers all of that sort of thing estate mm. agents letting agents um how so what is that like in terms of building and maintaining good relationships so that whenever you need a tenant or you need to work done on a property yeah you can trust that that's going to be done properly so i mean in terms of when you're starting out mm. recommendations are so key yeah Starting out, if you know, particularly starting out in an area you don't know, mm-hmm. recommendations are key, mm-hmm. and also recommendations. Approaching someone following a recommendation actually gives you an easier start. You know, so calling up and saying, "Oh, hi, Nadrine, I got your number from Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she said you manage a few properties for her. I've got this other property already. You've got kind of like a friendly conversation yeah. started, mm-hmm. right? So." having a recommendation having a, a contact given to you mm-hmm. is a really good way of starting um that kind of conversation also these types of people are people you can meet at um property events etc mm-hmm. a lot of um brokers agents etc mm-hmm. will often have like stands at okay. these events so you can go and meet them and get a sense for the way they work yeah um I would also say never downplay sort of the combat your compatibility with the way other people work. Mm-hmm. So what kind of values do they have? So for example, I've been shown around properties before um, by agents have been really excited about them and I've gone to see them and I thought, oh gosh, the living conditions of these people is awful. <laughs> yeah. Now, yes, yeah. the numbers are good. This landlord that you're getting these tenants for mm. is making a nice return. However, 
that's not in line with how I operate. Yeah. I can't own a property mm. and know that the way that carpet is, someone's going to catch their foot and take a really nasty drop mm-hmm. at some point in the property that I own because yeah. I don't want that's people living like that. That's just not how you want to do this. It's not yeah. how I want to do things. Mm-hmm. So if I meet an agent that mm-hmm. thinks they've got loads of things to show me and that's what they're showing me, yeah. it's not really someone I can work with mm-hmm. because I see that they don't understand what it is I'm trying to do. Yeah. So it's about finding people whose, you know, the vision or the type of work they want to do aligns with what it is you're trying to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a, that's a really sort of a key thing in terms of meeting people. And also just meeting, you know, following up with meeting people. If you meet people at events, you know, follow up that contact, build up those contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would definitely say in the beginning, the key thing is going by recommendations. Okay. Say, who knows A? Mm-hmm. And call those people start with those people and mm-hmm. before you know it you start building you know your yeah, own network earlier, yeah yeah okay. um and then i guess thinking about location because yeah. naturally i mean you kind of mentioned um owning property or wanting to um build your portfolio um and not being close by yeah or not having any knowledge of an area yeah makes things a bit difficult so um However, cost also does come yeah. into this. Um, so how did you kind of weigh things up from a sort of cost location standpoint mm-hmm. and decide where you sort of wanted to build your portfolio? So I wasn't too stuck on location. Mm. Um, for me, I wanted a return. Yeah. Um, I wanted to make I wanted to do something where I could get some bang for my buck. I didn't have loads of money to mm-hmm. start off with. Um and, I, and so I wasn't too concerned. So my first project was in Liverpool, mm-hmm. which is not nearby. I live yeah, in South East London. East London. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just, just I don't know. So Liverpool miles in between. Yeah. 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 If I leave at the crack of dawn, it does take me about <laughs> four hours to get to Liverpool by car. It's yeah. a little shorter by train. Mm-hmm. Um but I wasn't too tied down in terms of location for it to be near me. Mm-hmm. Because of the type of things that I was getting interested in and the type of properties I was seeing that I was interested in working with, I, I, I didn't have the funds to be able to do them in London. Mm. And even putting the funds aside, because of the cost of property in London, mm. certain strategies do not work in London. Mm-hmm. So in London, there's great things you can do. Mm-hmm. And in certain parts, you know, and in certain markets, there's, you know, capital projects can, can work in London. You can get that uplift. There's, you know, a certain type of demand for certain types of properties. Mm-hmm. But there are other income streams and income um, strategies that just won't work in London. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the cost of properties in London, and even though in London the rents are quite high, this this is the highest rent yeah. across the country, mm-hmm. the cost of property is so high yeah. that your return on investment, if you're just trying to buy something fresh and new and start renting it out, isn't going to be as good as somewhere else mm-hmm. in the country. Just because, yes, the rents are higher, but they're not high enough to make, you know, Covering to cover that disparity mm-hmm. in, in, in the cost of the property. And the last thing you want to do is to buy something that loses you money every month. Mm-hmm. People do it and think that, you know, what they're doing is they're setting themselves up for the capital uplift. Mm -hmm. But if you buy something um, and the rental that you're, you know, that your rent that you're charging, 
doesn't fully cover the costs of the property and so you're supplementing from your own pocket mm. you should have just got an ISA yeah you know and put that or yeah put that in some sort of I don't know exactly high interest exact pension scheme or because whatever yeah you mm. will start to feel the pinch of that and the unfortunate <coughs> thing is as you're dipping into your pocket every month and putting it into the house the house is staying stationary mm. you're you're not seeing that you're not seeing the interest on it and you don't know what kind of capital uplift there's going to be on that property you know you don't know at the point at which mm. you feel like you need to sell it if it's if it's gone up in value enough so yeah. For me, sorry, I'm, I've gone off tangent, but for me, in terms of location, I wasn't necessarily that hell-bent on it being London. What I was really clear about was that I wanted to be able to make a good return. Okay. And for me, travelling to Liverpool mm. was worth it. Okay. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, different things are important to different people. So there are some people who location is really important to them, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But when they then say, okay, right, location is important to me, if that's what's important to you, you then choose your location first, and then you have to look at what strategy will work in my location. Mm. Because you won't have the full choice of every strategy. Yeah. Certain things work in certain places. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to choose a strategy first, you then might have to be open to location. Yeah. You know, because if you're like, right, this is what I want to do, then you have to say, right, where can I do that for it to work? Yeah. So I guess you choose what your non-negotiables are. And and for me, it was I wanted to start with an income stream. Mm -hmm. I think that that's that's a really good way to start in property to something that's going to give you, even if it's not much, but a steady income at first. Um, And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do an income generating uh, project. And I knew I could do it in Liverpool. Okay. Um, and you mentioned right at the beginning, before we kind of go into uh, the sort of last minute takeaways, um, the six block of flats mm. that you're working on. So how did that project come about? So I viewed, you know, viewed a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. I had done quite a bit of wrecking around the area it's mm-hmm. good to get to know an area um and i actually started in a small town just outside of liverpool and then mm-hmm. i was looking at liverpool um and then this property came up and it was an, an auction property mm. um and i was working with a business partner so myself and another um investor that i'd met mm-hmm. at um at my property course actually and that's another the great thing about this yeah. so you can meet people that you can work with mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah this property came up and there was something about it to be honest that we just both really really liked Mm -hmm. Um, we knew already that as is as it was it was making a return Mm -hmm. so and it was fully tenanted when we we saw it Um, and so we thought well we really like this building but we were both really interested in service accommodation Mm -hmm. and when we had gone to see it a second time um, we'd been told that the tenant, one of the tenants of the one of the ground floor flats was moving out and we thought, well, this would be a really great opportunity if we buy this to yeah. trial out mm-hmm. service accommodation at a, you know, a lower risk yeah. because we could trial it out and if, and it, doesn't if it doesn't work, yeah. just get a regular tenant mm-hmm. in there. So, you know, but we had to do a lot of number crunching. You know, you, you we ran it through certain spreadsheets. We sort of, you know, looked at it and said, right, so what happens if we have a void how much money do we make you know what 
you need to understand what are the parameters, like how far does it need to go for you to be in a position where you're not making any money? Yeah. And if that seems like it's an almost uncertain, etc., yeah. then you sort of say, okay, this, this deal kind of stacks up. And there's a few other things you have to do to make sure that the deal stacks up. But, you know, we sort of did our, our numbers with it and we were both really happy with it and really liked it. And we thought, let's, let's, let's pluck for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it was available at auction. Um, and we did win it at auction, okay. which is a whole other experience mm-hmm. going to an auction. So yeah. that was something you please never go to an auction and just randomly buy something that you've <laughs> never seen. Um, we had seen it. We yeah. did have a full building survey done on it. So we knew that the building was not falling down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing how many people think that you can just go to an auction and just buy something without having seen it. Please don't do that ever yeah cars or otherwise yes (laughs) oh gosh yeah because oh gosh people people buy cars at auction without seeing them don't Mm. they um so yeah so we you know the the fact of the matter is that the numbers stacked up okay um and we knew how far we were willing to go with the price that's the other thing if you buy at an auction yeah you know you need to know you need to have done your numbers so you know what your upper limit is Mm -hmm. You cannot get caught up in the moment before you know it. Because <laughs> this is the thing, you can, you can literally bid yourself out of your own profit. Mm. You know, and you might have really, really wanted the property, but you don't really, really want it 50,000 over your top limit because mm-hmm. now it's no longer the property that you really like. Yeah. It's now something that's too expensive for yeah. what you wanted to do. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, it worked out. We got it within our range and you know that's that's where it all started but we did change the strategy because we did start with we were going to just do up one flat and make it a service accommodation mm-hmm. and then we thought you know we were presented with a certain opportunity the management company that we started working with actually were doing a slightly different type of service accommodation that they were managing which had a slightly higher return and we mm-hmm. thought interesting mm-hmm. Maybe we could tweak this. So we um, we did the whole. We did a complete refurb on all six flats. Mm-hmm. They were okay. There was some work that needed doing in the first place that we would have just done for normal maintenance for people to live in it quite regularly. Mm-hmm. But we decided to turn them into very much more sort of glossy, alert, okay. really sort of sharp. So and we reconfigured all six of them. So. Six new bathrooms, six new kitchens, Amazing. stripped it back to brick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and obviously this work increased the value of the property yeah. for us. So we were able to sort of refinance and take out the refurb costs. So that was, well, most of the refurb costs. There is still some refurb costs um, in the property locked in. But that's that's what happens with property. You know, yeah. sometimes you have some cash stuck in. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you're going to have some cash stuck in, you need to know there's going to be cash coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So, pick wisely, I suppose. Pick wisely, yeah. Um, and I guess in terms of your vision for your property business... Yeah. Um, I won't put a time limit on it. I'd just say, in an ideal world, where would you like to see things grow to? And, I mean, you can just speak completely generally about that, or... Um, so, I have, you know, I have a number of plans and a number of things definitely I want to see through mm. um, in this next year and, the, you know, a few things potentially on the horizon. Um, I would definitely like some, well, and the things I'm looking for definitely within the next year, 
um, I'm, I'm going to be looking at some more opportunities to work with some other investors mm-hmm. who have different specialities, mm. which, you know, um, is great for my learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to be in a position that I've kind of always had this with the property of being able to match my salary. Okay. Um, because at that point, you know, you then are in a position where your formal work is almost a choice mm. and it, it really just becomes an income stream it becomes an income stream yeah. exactly mm. you know i i think that choice is such an important thing having choice and i think mm. most people don't feel like with their job they necessarily have that much choice you know we're Completely. all living paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. even people that are earning quite decent yeah. amounts i mean the other day i was i was um looking up like the average wage in the uk and first of all, I had a momentary, like, oh my gosh, if you're giving, I have no idea how I would pay all the things I'm trying to pay if yeah. I was, you know, so people who would think, you know, would think, okay, I'm not doing too badly. Mm. Still, I don't have bags of money left at the end of the month, mm. you know. Um, I couldn't just say, do you know what, guys, next month, I'm not coming in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which would be a good position to be in. It would be yeah. a good position to be in. <laughs> yeah. um, so having... Having my um, having my salary being matched and knowing that you know I could even grow and 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 surpass that and knowing that I can sustain myself mm-hmm. without you know this type of job without needing someone else in that yeah. way, um, I think for me is is a really sort of it's one of my key goals. Okay, really cool. So that financial independence exactly. So heavily dependent on your property business you're not heavily dependent on your job you're kind of like if one were to go you'd be all right i'd be all right um but i would want yeah my property business to then grow even from there Mm. so i think just the more you can rely on things that you've created and generated yourself Mm -hmm. just the more options you have the more choice you have yeah um i think that's it's a powerful thing okay and how important do you think that is in this day and age to have an additional stream of income whether it's property or whether it's anything else i think it's really important Mm. i think that you know there's so much you don't have control over and most of us work for these pretty large companies that every Mm. now and then have to make some decisions Mm. and you know i think more than any other time in history people are becoming a bit more aware of the fact that jobs are not forever yeah you can't just be getting up and walking to work and just assuming that this is going to be it forever. Mm. Not even just because of the fact that you, you know, you'll get bored, you want more growth, you want to move on. But you know, companies now are making cuts and making changes and restructuring mm. you know, all the goddamn day because yeah. of the fact that the world is changing really quickly mm-hmm. um, and they're constantly trying to change their structure to keep yeah. up with that. So, you know, the job that you're doing that seems like a really amazing thing with its bonuses, etc. today, I mean, it just might not exist at some point. Mm-hmm. So not only do you need to be agile in the workplace, but it's good to know you've got something else. A little security blanket. A little something out. else for yourself that okay. you are understanding. And I would say, even if it's not property, mm-hmm. that it's good for us all to try and get ourselves some financial education, to get mm-hmm. a little bit more financially astute. Mm-hmm. So many people are paying into, for example, pensions that they don't fully understand the workings of. Mm-hmm. If you're paying into a pension, you should be understanding how that pension works. Yeah. 
you know you need to because some people will be shocked yeah. or what you're going to be living on when exactly. you start to draw that down actually exactly and I think but. a lot of people would be absolutely astonished mm. when they realise what it is that they'll actually get yeah so you know I think it's really important that we become a lot more financially astute okay. um, a little bit more aware and, and start thinking of how can you make your money work for you you don't have to be a property investor it's not yeah. the only thing yeah and it's absolutely. not the only route mm-hmm. okay. but just be a bit more aware cool um okay so i've got two final questions for okay. you um <clears throat> so i'm gonna get from you the hardest lesson you've learned in your journey um and the best piece of advice you've been given you can do those in whatever order you like oh mm. the hardest lesson yeah. i've learned and the best piece of advice You've I've been, been good, given. Yeah, so it's kind of like a, a good and a bad. I think the lesson... Yeah. And sometimes it's been hard. Mm. The, the real lesson is that when you get a quote for something, mm-hmm. whether it's in money or in time, mm-hmm. assume that this could easily be 50% on top. Yeah. So when you're, you're doing a project you know, it relies on a number of other people mm-hmm. to be involved. And when you start doing your calculations of something, please add that leeway in there. Mm-hmm. So if you can't, if you can just afford what that quote says, Don't you almost that. can't afford the project. Yeah. If you've got no way to get some leeway cash on top of that, you can't afford it. Okay. Because a four week job easily becomes a six week job. Mm. A 50k rough estimate can easily become a 65k rough estimate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd say always add more. A conveyancer telling you we can get this sale through in three weeks. Is that cutting it fine? Mate, it's going to be six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's been my experience, is definitely yeah. with conveyances that, that, that assumption and that. Um, that prediction out there is the best case scenario I think that's only happened that one year where there were unicorns flying mm. um, and for some reason they want to give you that that as a quote and, and frustrate you through the rest of the period but genuinely you need to account for there being a, a 50% addition okay. just if if for anything else just so that you don't hurt your heart mm. you know because there's nothing more stressful than you making this assumption that this is going to be done by the end of the month and it's nowhere near done mm-hmm. And you are, are feeling stressed. If it does get done, then it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but but just assume that it probably won't. Okay. So double. So double. always double. <laughs> Time, just, money, whatever. Just just yeah. Throw in an extra fifty percent. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And the best piece of advice you've ever been given. Best piece of advice I've ever been mm-hmm. given. Or just a good piece of advice or something that kind of really stuck with you that you've kind of taken and said yeah um that when you buy something at auction Mm. um have insurance in place so that as soon as that hammer goes down Mm. you can call that insurance company and insure that come that that piece of property you've just bought um and funnily enough this wasn't something that sort of came up around this came up before i'd purchased um, and it came from someone telling me a story mm-hmm. um, about somebody else buying a property at, at an auction um, that was near a cliff and the hammer went down, the property was now his, he's put his deposit down, he's got 28 days to complete 
and within a week the coast had crumbled and the entire house had fallen into the sea and there was no insurance Wow. Yeah, so you've just... How do you even buy a property near on How a cliff without insurance? Buy... Well, I guess it's probably easier to buy it without insurance because it's well, going to be hard to insure, I would imagine. The thing is, well, you can, you, can, you, can get, you can get most things insured. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing is, if it was going to be so difficult to insure, it might have been a good alarm bell to know to not buy it. Yeah. Duh. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's I'll a very specific... <laughs> situation quite, quite that I heard of but yeah. genuinely actually I would just say insurance is yeah. important mm. insure everything you can insure money that you borrow mm. you know on a project you can insure um and if you know if you're using a property for different types of purposes so if you know you're not doing just a regular single let and you're doing a HMO or you're doing service accommodation make sure you're getting the adequate insurance Mm -hmm. it will cost you more than you thought but my god insurance is in the long run yeah yeah definitely okay very good um okay and i guess to kind of close things off Mm -hmm. because i'm pretty sure you're gonna have a lot of people reaching out to you um what's the best way to get in contact with you if anyone wants to pick your brain or just find you and just ask you questions um the best way the Mm. best way to contact you know i'm quite happy if people send me honestly if people send me a message via social media i'm really quite happy to receive a message i i'm I'm always responsive if i'm not responsive i was Mm. probably doing something okay um, and i will respond okay um and people can drop me an email okay um and i you you'll have my email to to share that whatever socials you want to Um, share as well but yeah, I mean, I'm always looking to expand mm-hmm. my network. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm obviously receptive to people reaching out. But yeah, if someone shouts me on social media, I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not going to be like, who is this person? <laughs> no. Say you were sent by me. <laughs> yeah. Say yes. that Nodreen sent you, and yes. then there we are. There you it's go. All done. Perfect recommendation. <laughs> That's how you do it. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tracy. You, I knew you'd be awesome um, on this, and I'm pretty sure um, this is a topic that. I think a lot of young, oh, I say young. What, what's young these days? What is young? <laughs> a lot. Well, a lot of people, are working professionals, mm. should are interested in, um, especially from our demographic. Um, I think we came from a generation of parents who didn't all necessarily own their homes no. and probably still don't in a lot of cases. Um, and I think people want to change change things up a bit um yeah and the market at the moment actually we haven't even spoken about that at all um do you want to throw it to the market for a little bit yeah should we throw it to the market for a little bit? To i have market. nothing to say but obviously we had the, you know quite a big political um crazy climate, at the moment yeah. um and i feel like it's put a bit of a slowdown on mm. the property market in London, the UK, I don't know. I can only yeah. really comment on what I see. But what are your thoughts on so Brexit and or, or just yeah. things the the economy the economy in general? So there's a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty in the market, and mm. that's really really clear. I was at an auction a couple of weeks ago, just because I wanted to see mm. what was going on. I didn't really have intentions of buying. I didn't have anything on the cat on 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 the catalogue that I wanted to buy, mm. but. 40% of the properties didn't go. Mm. 40% of the things that were up for auction didn't sell. This is about three hours of auction time. And, and is that normal? Like, what would be a normal 
does everything normally go or ninety percent? You'd be looking at a higher percentage than that. Okay. You know, um, you have you know, we we have, and a lot of things that are going, are going very close to the guide price. So mm. the, the 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 auctioneers are having to work really hard to drive mm-hmm. the prices up, and and most people will be able to see if you look at things around your area if you're if you're the type of person that checks Zoopla all the time you mm-hmm. you might see that you know the, the value of your own house has stagnated a bit mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is in london to be quite honest if we mm-hmm. look at 18 months ago the whole thing was getting quite ridiculous i yeah. mean the cost of things in london was getting so astronomically stupid mm-hmm. that in a way it's probably just sort of settled evening itself down yeah. evening itself out it was getting a bit silly it was getting quite ahead of itself um but there is uncertainty in the market. People mm-hmm. are very unsure. People do not want to buy. And, and that's and this is the thing. The market is so affected by human behaviour. So right mm-hmm. now the behaviour is people are being conservative. People are unsure. This is not to say that there aren't ways to make money mm-hmm. in this market. That's, that's not the case. But you do have to be very specific about what it is you think you're going to try and achieve. Mm-hmm. So... You know, if you are looking at a property, for example, that's a flip, that's not got enough meat on the bones, you know, not got enough leeway between the purchase price and what the potential sale price is, Mm -hmm. you're looking at a very risky project, you know, which possibly isn't the type of project to purchase right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're looking for, I don't know, a, 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 a residential I might want to live in this for a if little while. If you're exactly. Yeah. Then you're looking at something different because mm. the things you need from that are a lot, you know, and then the competition you have for that yeah. is a lot less, Yeah, you know. Um, if you're also looking at something that's in a place that's got really high rental demand, mm-hmm. again, you know, this this idea of, of, you know, there being uncertainty in the market well it's not the same uncertainty of tenants because mm-hmm. whoever's here still needs to live somewhere yeah um so there's different things you can you can weigh up there's different opportunities but then there's also other things that are probably more risky at this stage but that's the case even when you've got an upwards market you yeah. know there are things that will work then and things that won't work so mm-hmm. well but generally right now i think people are very cautious yeah um i think it's good to be cautious all the time mm-hmm to an extent it's good to to be clear on what it is you're doing when you're investing a lot of money mm-hmm. but people are very cautious and and, and things are a bit slow mm-hmm. um in terms of you know people purchasing things okay. right now and i think a lot of even just regular home buyers have been really really put off the idea of buying right now mm. you, this is not even looking at investors so yeah. i think there's something in the psyche that's saying to people oh there's a downward turn mm-hmm. I don't want to buy right now. It makes people yeah. quite nervous. Naturally so. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks for that little word on the market. Um, good way to end. Um, I will link all of Tracy's details in the episode notes. Um, but be sure to go and follow her. Um, if you've got any questions, you can comment on here or, or go straight to Tracy. She's the expert. You probably should just go to her first. Um, do hit subscribe if you want to um hear more from us um on this topic or on any other topic and if you'd like Tracy to come back and do a little update then we can definitely arrange that too um but otherwise thank you Tracy so much thank you Um, and thanks to you guys for listening we'll see you in the next episode of the grown folks podcast thanks bye bye